Welcome back, moviegoers. This is Movie Talks Podcast. You know where we uh, talk about uh, some movies, discuss the blockbusters, indies, classics, hidden gems. Uh, last week we had, we you know, we decide early what we're going to talk about this week, um, which is first our favorite directors. Then we're going to go into our David Fincher's movies, uh, Seven and Fight Clubs. And kind of, you know, he was, it's kind of strange for Fincher because he started off as the director for Aliens 3 and that thing bombed. So to see him to become a, such a prominent director, it's kind of nice to see. So by bombed, you mean that horrible? I don't know how you can say it's horrible. I mean, I, cause this is the thing. I liked Aliens 3, but he, the direct, the studio had so much fucking inf- uh, power into it that he doesn't even say that's his. And the movie didn't, and from that, the movie didn't do good, it, like block, like money wise. Is that like one of his earlier films? Like, I, like what number? Like, was he into films? I gotta say, like his first. That was his first one, his yeah. debut. Well, his his first big, huge. I want to say blockbuster one, but yeah. Hmm. So first, let's go with our favorite movie. So, uh, oh, <laughs> before we begin, of course, this is Dania. This is Ernest. This is Fernando. All right, so. Let's start with Ernest. Have you uh, now? I when I when we start start discussing this, I always say like you know I don't want boring directors. Meaning, there's a staple of directors that's always gonna be on the top, such as Orson Welles, Alfred Hitchcock, uh, Frank Capri, who did the um, It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, he's up there just because he set a a point a marking point of like just how cinema is made back in the days. So, uh, but you know, now that we're in this time, we have, you know, something interesting, something, some director who's done things different, unique, that kind of influence you now. So let's go with you first, Ernest. What was your one that you is your favorite? As far as like you're the, just one that one director or one movie. Let's go with one director first. One director is in. Are we doing the my favorite ones? Now? Yeah, we're doing the my favorites. Uh, well, I mean. See, what you just said kind of pointed on what you said previously before we started this um, was that people like you would know about Orson Welles and uh, Alfred Hitchcock and all that stuff. But for someone like me, see, those are the tops for you that are like kind of overdrawn. But for me, it's Scorsese and all that. But that's no, that's not my uh, favorite one. I would say Tarantino and pretty much everything he's done, even, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. um, I can't. It's really hard to pick just one of his films. Well, how about this? Because I love Tarantino. I think, for me, Tarantino is my top five of all time. For sure, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not going to go ratings. But, I mean, he's a, still a director in which, you know, when he's, when his movies come out, it's a... It's, it's an event. It's yeah. an event. Mm-hmm, for sure. Everyone's talking about it. Even no matter what it is, we don't even know what the... Like, his newest one that's coming out, it's about a screenwriter, and I still want to know what the hell he's talking about. See, I'm on the opposite end of that. You know, I've, I've loved everything that he's come out with thus far, but when I heard about that, it just doesn't sound interesting. Maybe I have to see a little bit more and hear a little bit more about it. Well, he's going to turn out to, like, kill a thousand people. He's going to be so fucking bloody, and he's going to be a screenwriter. He's going to find a way to put some violence in Oh, yeah, story. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Really, come on. It's Tarantino. You can't expect any less from him because... He has like these like crazy ways to make something so simple so deadly. Right, right. Well, do you remember when he started making Once Upon Once Upon Time in Hollywood? All we knew it was it was a movie about the Charles Manson murders, right? I mean, that's, as far as I know. Yeah, the, the synopsis was uh, it was a 
an actor who was out of his prime trying to find himself with his buddy, uh, his stunt driver buddy. Right. You know, plus the Marilyn Manson is a back or Marilyn Manson. Well, that was the first thing that he he told people he was writing about. He didn't say the other stuff part. Mm -hmm. So when he first said was the Manson story. Yeah. So. See, I was more interested in that concept than the than the story of DiCaprio. Manson. Right. Right. I wanted to see exactly how he depicted something like that. You know, um, manipulation. That was very interesting to me, but it, we didn't get that in that movie. I still love it, but well, I mean, he 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 has a version of making it gritty, comical, and just over the top in anything he does. And that's why I enjoy his films, you know, because when I go to his, I you know, well, it, primarily I go to feel something. I want to get something out of this movie that's gonna kind of make me feel a certain way. So with him, I know I'm gonna get comedy, a drama, um, violence, know, violence, for sure, violence, action, um, you know. All that, all, all of it, genres in one. Like full entertainment there. Full on entertainment, yeah. What do you think, Fernando, as a uh, Mart a Tarantino pick? Is that one of your top favorite uh, directors too? No, I wouldn't say he's my favorite. Um, I mean, he's, he makes good movies. I can't say no to that. Uh, I think they're very entertaining. You know, I think his best work is Inglorious Bastards. I, agree, I think I a agree. lot of people might agree with that. Yeah, that's his masterpiece for sure. Yeah, for sure. Inglorious Bastards? Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Every th- it's almost a perfect movie. Almost. What makes it imperfect? Um, man, I just, yeah, I kind of spoke about that without even thinking of uh, something. <laughs> that, <you know. laughs> okay, so let me get it straight. So Inglorious Bastards is well, both your guys' I, favorite Tarantino film? I wouldn't say it. I would say it's his masterpiece, as in what I just stated. It's almost a perfect movie. But I say almost um, so vaguely like that because no movie is perfect, right? Um, There's quite a movies that are perfect. Like what? Oh, okay. Over <laughs> <laughs> right, here, we're so talking without basis now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like I would say uh, Memento is a perfect movie. Mm. Man, see, I couldn't even get through that. That's, I mean, if you want to, because the thing about that is before you even, that was the first time that was ever made or in, uh, that I've seen. Like an actual that, psychological thriller. Well, no, the the non-linear, well, not non-linear, but in this, it was told backwards. Mm-hmm. Tarantino made a non-linear with Pulp Fiction, but the the unreal, the, the unrevealing of the characters and the stories in Memento, it, it, the, it was the right amount of time. It was, it gives you little pieces every here and there. And then at the end, you're like, what the fuck? You know? Well, yeah, I haven't seen that movie. I'm, I'm slowly starting. I mean, I've already appreciated Nolan, but not so much as I am now. Oh, bro. You, if you like all the mind stuff, like if you like psychological thrillers, Memento is a movie that you have to rewatch and be able to. App- you, I know you will appreciate it. For yeah, sure. I've tried watching it on, t- on two accounts, and I just. It wasn't interesting. Maybe I just didn't have the capacity, the you know, the there's, attention there's, capacity for it. Uh, another perfect movie, I would say, is uh, Die Hard. Oh my God! No, <laughs> Die Hard is a not uh, Die Hard was a, a, a an hour and thirty minutes, <laughs> and the structure of it is like beginning. You know, you have the intro, and then you have the. I mean, it, it's a not, it's one of the best flowing. All right, films. so for all the listeners out there, I'm making a face like, what the fuck am I? Wait, wait, you don't right like now? Die Hard? No, I think it's ridiculous. How is Die I Hard a ridiculous, movie, ridiculous movie? No, I wouldn't say it's like. A perfect. It's a movie. '90s action. No, I don't mean like it's, it's the, yeah. It, it's just a '90s action, <laughs> right? But it's, I'm not saying it's like the a perfect, awesome, the top rated movie. I'm just you saying just said it's a perfect movie. It's a perfect. There's nothing. There's nothing really wrong in in any of the structures. Except for all right? the over the top, 
action. Well, that that's that's is irrealistic. Dude, that's, that's eighty. That's early eighties, nineties action movies. And I mean, you, it's you like to say, okay, it's like this. If you would say, um, he really could. Huh? No, like you, you were like you should see his face right your now. Beliefs. He's like he's confident. It is. We're all laughing. <laughs> you're like saying straight face. I'll, I'll give you another one. Once upon a time in the West. Perfect movie. I seen that. Okay, well, I haven't seen that one, so I can't. Pulp, Pulp Fiction is a perfect movie. It's um, okay. I really, I would really have to sit down and really draw up a brainstorm, dissect a film to you know dictate whether or not it's a perfect film. That's a hard, that's a hard feat. No easy feat. Well, for me, a perfect movie would just mean that like, like, there's no, no movie has doesn't have flaws. But if you're if the pacing, the the scenes, the shots, they. If everything just flows into one, like you can even say, and I don't like saying it, Titanic is kind of a perfect movie too. You know, now that we're talking about it, the only oh my god, you should see my face right now, guys. Like I don't really the Titanic, the perfect movie. I would say it one was perfectly film. done. I mean, it, again, th- it, there's a reason why it's the highest grossing film right now. Uh, even till they keep putting it out there in. Movie theaters, yes, every but like five to ten but years. But people are Correct, going to see but it. People are going there to see it constantly. Oh, <laughs> right? No, I mean, I don't like saying it either. You know what's the perfect <laughs> movie? Like, I don't a make lot of our listeners will understand this. Is um, Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, that's a perfect. Movie. Now that is a perfect movie that in perfect every movie. single sense of the word. Green Mile is a perfect movie. I've never seen that one. Um. I mean, there's 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 quite a few movies I would consider, like, there's rarely anything that you like. Even to this day, if you watch it again, mm-hmm. then you would still find uh, entertaining. Rocky, uh, Rocky one. The only movie I've ever thought of, like when I initially walked out of the theater, all I could think is, man, I couldn't find anything that I disliked about the movie. Because you know, as you're as you're watching a film, wherever it may be, something may happen, and you might be like, ah, uh, that was dumb. Or, right. Yeah, the only movie I could think that happened to me was Joker. Mm, that too. Uh, it's a good. It's a really good one. Yes. This had like all the elements of of the art of filmmaking. You know me. which one is also would consider a perfect movie, The Godfather. I really uh, got to get one and two. Fourth couple, another first one. Ooh. The first one, just the first one, is a cl- a perfect classic. I'm That's what I would today. rate yeah. a perfect classic. How, how long is that movie? Three hours. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna check it out. I mean, the l- just the lighting itself. The what the lighting, lighting mm-hmm. that he chose just to, like, and again if you go into film school and you can you you want to dissect a film it's the like, godfather yeah it's it's one of those movies that every single film school talks about who, who made that francis Cop- ford coppola what else would he have made uh, uh after he did. that apocalypse now yeah mm. he uh, he of course he did the first two godfathers then he did uh, he did some other crappy film that didn't do good um but yeah, he kind of makes his own way after a while. I think mm-hmm. didn't he do? He did a war movie, didn't he? Apocalypse, Apocalypse now. now. No, after that. I wouldn't know. Um, I think uh, you know what he's trying to make another movie right now. He's trying to. Um, oh God, I'm gonna Is look. He it not up. dead. Come back. No, <laughs> he's he not a, dead. You'd be that fan. Uh, you meet him. I thought you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you know, good to see you. Um, I thought you were dead. <laughs> No, it's it's oh God. I want to look at it. there's there's a movie that he is trying to uh, fund. It's an old remake, and uh, and it's I'm actually kind of interested to see he's how he's gonna do it. Another perfect movie would be Fight Club, the movie that we're gonna talk about. Oh yes, and Seven. Okay, I think those movies are absolutely fucking perfect. What do you think about Usual Suspects as that? 
Ooh, that was a good movie. I wouldn't say it's perfect, but I say it's like, holy shit, this was fun. Because that kind of started off the whole not knowing how like the, the ultimate twist. Oh, speaking of ultimate twist, Sixth Sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Shyamalan's, yeah. Shyamalan Ding Dong. No, Shyamalan Ding Dong doesn't have doesn't have a lot of perfect movies. That's no, no, no. I'm one. saying I'm saying his his twists. He has twists on almost, almost all his films. Oh yeah, but that one. Mm. So what about you, Daniel? What's your favorite director? Uh, okay. So, I had the hardest time with this because here's the thing. I have I I see things when people ask me what's my favorite movie, what's my favorite director. It's hard to answer, it's right? Hard to answer because. Unless you speak in genres. But the one director that I can say that I've always looked forward for his films is always Spielberg. Spielberg. I can see that. I grew up with Spielberg, too, in, and that's back, in going, the 90s. Right. And you're growing up with it. And, every sing- and here's the one thing that Spielberg does that, that no other movie can do is that they'll bring the childhood in you mm-hmm. out to life. Yeah. And also, and there's something about his... I don't know how to describe it. It's more like a, a, a pure magical you feel when you it's that you feel when you see a movie, when you see it. When you saw E.T., it's like, okay, well, this is unusual, but, you know, it's a, it's an alien movie. No, that's an interesting point. You know, I never really thought about that, but he for sure has that effect, you know. Steven Spielberg is amazing when it comes to storytelling and bringing out the emotions in people. Now, you want to talk about not a perfect movie, but his greatest movie is uh, City Private Ryan. It's pretty good. Yeah, I mean the 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 D Day scene alone. I mean, you would give you get chill. I get I still get chills because I'm like, dude, that is dude, just the, the sound effects for it. The best movie I ever watched from Steven Spielberg was AI, artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. And dude, that movie was so ahead of its time. It was like if that movie came out today, it would be a huge fucking hit. I don't know how it would how would he. I think it'd be more CGI. I think it was made for it, the perfect time. But I think it would be amazing because I think it would it would honestly be something close to Blade Runner. Yes. But with the technology that we have now, I think AI would be artificial intelligence would be such a great movie. I think Rodriguez could uh, could and, do that and movie. Even yeah, then, sure. even then, those graphics were still amazing for the time. Oh yeah. Like the CGI in that movie was like holy shit, man. And that just shows you his range as well. I mean, I, I never, I totally forgot about Saving Private Ryan. Um, you know, you can go from gory war to child movies like. Uh, yeah, he has a really good range, and he's able to tell a sci-fi. really good story. I mean, yeah. he even goes down to, I mean, the movie Terminal, right? A story that not a lot, not a lot of people know about a guy who was stuck in the terminal, and because his homeland was having a civil war, so if he would have stepped out, he would have got deported back home. But he's like. So this guy had to live in this airplane for like years, not a year, maybe a year. But it was, it was a while. Hmm. But he Who made that. Simple, he made uh, Tom Hanks. Hmm. But he made that movie interesting. You know, yeah. there's yeah, that's that's something special too. When you can make a topic that doesn't sound so interesting to most of us interesting, like Wolf of Wall Street when that came out, I didn't, I was had no interest in learning about stocks and all that. But it was one of the best movies I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Another director that, that I don't know if you guys know is uh, Christopher Columbus. I he don't did. Know who that is. Um, Tyler to the Mayflower. <laughs> no, uh, me. Uh, I'll, I'll quickly list down a loop. He was he's an old '90s uh, director. He did. Oh, James Cameron is also top in there. James, I like I love James Cameron just because he he's never made a bad movie. Like he can't name a bad movie that he made. 
you know, he started off with Aliens 2, Terminators, the Terminators, and then after that, Abyss. I mean, Abyss could be his worst movie, but if if that movie is your worst movie, um, that's pretty that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Colum- Chris Columbus, he made Home Alone, Mrs. Doubtfire. He done um the Harry Potter films. He made The Help. Uh, so he done. He early, directed all of Harry Potter films. Uh, s- most of them. Which ones? Uh, I I know the. Let me go up real quick. I think it was sure. at the the third one. Which Are ones? The Chambers, The Sorcerers, and Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm. No, Prisoner of uh, Prisoner of Azkaban was directed by a Mexican oh, no, director. I'm sorry, he was produ- it was produced. Uh huh. Yeah, no, the I think it was. Uh, they should have let Scorsese do those. <laughs> Fuck that shit, man! He's gonna make them so fucking boring. <laughs> they should have just chose all the greatest and divided them. Do have Nolan do one? Have a all right. So his movies were uh, Avenger Babysitting, Home Alone. He did Home Alone, the Mrs. Doubtfire, Nine Months, Stepmom. So he did a lot of those '90s. Oh, he did directed uh, Source of the Stone. Yeah, but that's about it. Yeah, that was the only. The two. guy who they got to direct the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh movie, he did an amazing job. Oh, he did better. Yeah. Because he, it, when when after Azkaban, it got so dark, and you're like, how the hell these, you know, and these kids grew up, you know. Yeah, like I think it was last year. I binge I binge watched that whole series, and I was like, damn, you know, they went from real kid friendly to almost murdering people or murdering people. Yeah, got dark quick. Yeah. So Alfonso Cuarón was the one who directed the third one, which was uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. Uh, and if you guys know anything about. Uh, Alfonso Cuarón, he actually he he won a couple Oscars by now. For what? He won an Oscar for a Mexican movie. Um, let me see. Oh, Alfonso, Alfonso, Alfonso. Alfonso Cuarón. Is that the one who did um? Nacho Libre. No. Just kidding. <laughs> no, that's Libre. <laughs> no, he did. I think he directed Gravity. Mm-hmm. I could see that. No, he did. Uh, he did Roma. Which was uh, he won for best directing and best cinematography. Uh, Gravity, Children of Men, he directed that one. Uh, Harry Potter three, Pants Labyrinth. Oh no, did he direct Pants Labyrinth? No, that's Guillermo. Yeah, that's that's, that's Guillermo del Toro. Yeah, yeah. No, but he did Roma, Children of Men, and Gravity, and he directed Prisoner of Azkaban. I think he that was one of his very first major motion pictures. He did. Yeah, Gosh. and he was a flop, dude. <laughs> he was probably rated the worst uh, Harry Potter. Prisoner of Azkaban? Yeah. He did not have the best ratings. Why? Because, mm. you know what? I would say that maybe because it was that transition of going from lighthearted to dark. Because I like, I, what do you think of Azkaban? Azkaban? Azkaban. Azkaban? Mm-hmm. I didn't like the movie. I think it was it was very poorly directed. Really? Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, there's like, there's a lot of moments in the movie where I'm like, really? You told the story like this? You made the actors do this? Like, really? See, I'm some, somewhat of a fanboy. So I'm like, you know, just, just I like the series in general. But so I like. No, but all. if you watch Prisoner of Azkaban, you'll be able to tell the difference between the first and second and the fourth to the rest. Like the third movie, you're going to be like, dude, what the fuck was this? Yeah. I can see And that. I got to give it to him. Like, it's a hard book. Because if you read the book and you know the story of the third movie, it's a difficult story to tell because there's like, uh, uh, what is it, time travel. Mm-hmm. So back in the day, time travel was not, not a lot of people knew how to work with time travel movies. 
And especially being Cuaron's, like, one of the first, like, big Hollywood movies, uh, I don't think that he was able to handle it well. Do you think that, so are you saying that movie, if it was made again, well, they're going to make a series out of that. You think it'd actually be a better story in general? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, because I I really feel like Alfonso Cuaron dropped the ball on that movie. Is that what they're trying to do with this series? Get more in depth and more aligned with what the books actually. So they're trying to make like a whole series. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make a whole series, and they want to make movies. Uh, remakes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think. Uh, like I said, I don't. I don't know. It's not gonna follow the same stories of Harry Potter, but it's definitely gonna be like uh, within the same world. There's gonna be a sequel. So it's not gonna have Harry and. Uh, Most Hermione. likely, they will, but they're not gonna be like the protagonists. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe, he said that he would always be there for Harry, for Harry Potter. Like anything, uh, Warner Brothers needed to get done for Harry Potter, like he would be there for. Well, he should. That yeah, made his yeah. career. Yeah, it'd be pretty badass to see him as an older, you know, Harry, and then maybe teaching the uh, Defense Against Dark Arts or something. He's all like I said that he's like powerful. That would be Jedi. pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. And then he dies. No, not yet. And then, like the next generation with that little Avracadabra that he survived. Oh <laughs> God. No, the one that thing that the one thing that kills everybody except for Harry, goddamn plot armor. He's the one. Let me ask you this: as we, we talk about directors, what do you think? Are you a Kubrick fan? Uh, yes, to a certain point and degree. <laughs> like I was saying, with most directors, like how we said uh, Hitchcock, uh, you know Orson Welles, they they brought us up the whole idea of how to make films, but not necessarily are they my favorite filmmakers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're great. They make they're stuff. The pioneers they're they're of pioneers. They're pioneers, but you can't. I mean, not all the movies you can like. I mean, even when I went back to see The Shining, I look back and I'm like, it's kind of boring. Yeah, I don't know about much about his work to really judge. I did start watching a what is it, a Space Odyssey? Yeah. And I, you know, I understand it's you know, art, but I just couldn't get. I didn't even finish it. I got up to the apes. Here's part. the thing with that movie with Space Odyssey 2001. Mm-hmm. That movie was supposed to be almost six hours long. Yeesh. If you look at it, the movie does not make sense. It really doesn't. Nothing. And a lot of people saying that it's a masterpiece, but it doesn't make any sense because that movie was made to be Maybe from a visual hours. standpoint. You know? Visually, yeah, it was stunning for the time. But that movie should have been six hours long. Yeah, but the studio cut out so much information because from the moment that he died, there's a whole conspiracy. Like I've read about this. There's a yeah. whole conspiracy behind it. And he was supposed to release a six hour movie exposing the elites in Hollywood. Like this movie was supposed that to movie? be. Yeah. This movie was supposed to be a huge jab for the Hollywood elites. In in what manner? In the manner. I don't know exactly what manner. I can't remember actually to be exact. I thought I Wide Shut was it. No, it was this one. Huh. Because they cut out almost three hours of things that would have exposed the elites. Hmm. And how they control the world. Basically they killed us, that's why they're in space. And that's why he died. They're saying that he got killed. That apparently there's like this like gun that they the CIA uses that when they shoot you it creates a heart attack instantly. Oh. And there's a lot of things that have that a lot of people who have died because of that. And they say that George Carlin, I don't know if you guys remember George yeah, Carlin. Yeah. Yeah. They say that he got killed by one of those guns. I don't know. Well, the, that, 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 guy was, that guy was old. Well, he, he was, was one but of he was about to do a show in Las Vegas oh. and to expose something or someone. I mean, he'd been exposing them for a long time. Anyhow. Exactly. What's the so, other one? That, that comedian, Melissa Joan. 
like the raunchy comedian was it Miss Melissa Jones. Melissa, um, uh, I don't know. Oh, she had but that really nice voice. No, she was gonna have a no. The only reason why I'm saying that her name is because she was gonna do a, a, a performance too, exposing them too before she died. And then a lot of people are dying out of like random heart attacks, and and it's untraceable. If people do a little bit of research, they'll be able to find that there's like CIA blueprints on a gun that causes uh that once you get shot, it creates a heart attack and it makes it look natural. I think that was in a movie too. I yeah, don't know, I like but that movie. That somewhere. But that movie was supposed to expose the elites, but they had already spent so much money that they just cut out that part and they just released it. Because if you really look at the movie, it, like I told you, it does not make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it doesn't it's matter how many so times you watch it. It's extremely hard to follow because there's a lot of missing information. It's kind of like, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. It's kind of like the Lord of the Rings movies. It makes sense in, in a way in, the, in the, 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 the cut that they released in theaters. Yeah, and it makes a whole lot different sense when you watch the extended versions. Uh, I think I think the better I think the better uh, thing to say is maybe the Snyder cut is better than exactly. Cut. That's a, that's a great example. Like the Warner Brothers release, theatrical release was shit. But when you watch the full movie by Snyder's cut, it made a whole lot more sense. And it's the same thing that happened with uh, Space Odyssey. They cut out so much information that it was really fucking hard to follow. Well, Release the Kubrick cut. Uh, pff, that they will not, never do that. I right. think that's actually what burnt, if, if, if that yeah. is true. Yeah, it did. And that's why th- like the studios already made so much. They spent so much money that they were like, fuck, they were about to expose us. So let's cut out this part and still let's make some money. And let's, let's hype it up to say like this is like the best movie ever made. When was that movie made? In the 70s? Oof, I don't know. Because yeah, like I'm just 80s. saying in that way, like that's a lot of shit that happened. In, you know, I at think that it was time. in the 80s, 90s. Oh, that's well. Okay, wait, hold on. Technology. About I gotta say about 85, 86. Because there's no way it, it had to be made right before, right oh, after Star shit. Wars. Oh shit! It was made up in 1968. Dang. 1968. Yep. Ah, see. 2001: Space Odyssey. Yeah, man. And it's only two hours and 19 minutes. And this movie was said to be. Almost six hours. Yeah, that's like I said. That's that, a lot of shit that they cut garbage. out. Well, speaking of all those, like you know, c- directors' cuts and stuff like that. Let me ask you this: Do you remember movies back? Well, I don't know if you guys watched early films where they had actual inter uh, interludes. Oh yeah, I remember that. Okay, so intermissions, yeah, intermissions and stuff like that. Now, how you know movie prices are now? Would you be okay with them ha- doing that again? Have like a little cocktail in like between movies. I went yeah. to that. I, that's what I was explaining to you. Uh, Prior to this, uh, I went to that Tarantino road show, and that's exactly what they had yeah. with the Hateful Eight, and it was pretty cool. Hateful Eight, and they did that with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I thought insta- it was pretty instead cool. Instead of cut, uh, what, what I'm going at is instead of, you know, you, you hear all these studios having to cut down, you know, how the Snyder cut, do- cutting down to like two and a half hours because they're like, well, no one wants to stay into a three-hour movie, but why not with us paying 20 bucks, 15 bucks for a film for, for going out to movies? Fucking make us go out there all day. Yeah, what is the law? Lo- I wonder what the logic is there. Here's the thing. It's expensive. It's expensive for movie theaters. Like, before COVID, movie theaters were insanely expensive to to have a movie for more than, like, two and a half hours. And that's why people cut in that amount of time, because after more than three hours, I think they start charging double. 
I, I would imagine also that, you know, if, if a movie is four hours, that takes up two hours of another movie that could have been, you know, exactly. purchased. Exactly, and they're losing money. Right. Before COVID, that's how it was. They were extremely elitist. But after uh, the pandemic and Netflix and everything, the movie theaters had to, like, lighten the fuck up mm. because they were extremely elitist at that point. Yeah, so, like, what is it? The, the, the max time is about three hours or something? Yeah, and if you started to notice, they started putting old movies into movie theaters now because they can afford it now. Mm-hmm. It's not as expensive to have a movie in theaters anymore. Well, nowadays, it's just, I mean, come on, it's not the old projection screen where we have a film where kids got to, like, go, you know, put it in there. Now it's just a DVD, probably, or a hard drive that they connect to it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just something I thought about because we hear about all these cuts and maybe sp- even the Flash movie that I want to see. And I will say, we're not doing a review on it, but... That movie gets better every time I see it. Dude, I just seen the CGI for what Superman looked like from it today. It looks like an 80s, 90s video game. No, no, I know. There's, it's not a great, it's not a perfect movie, but the storytelling is pretty notch on what Warner Warner Brothers did in those cartoons. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, you have to see it for yourself. There's a lot of, like, little hints and nodges there. I intend to. It's just, CGI is big. You know, it's pretty bad. Uh, The new Indiana Jones movie is taking a flop, too. Uh yeah, no one uh, wants I to would, see a, uh, yeah. uh, a two hundred year old man. <laughs> well, uh, jump around like he's yeah. fucking twenty. <laughs> yeah, you know, the two biggest it. block o- box office right now is Guardians, John Wick, Super Mario Brothers. I think that's pretty much it. Like you're saying, those are what? Those are the biggest movie makers of the summer. Well, Guardians sense. was really freaking good, man. Well, that's what I'm saying. But like, very good send off. But that's that's the only Disney or Marvel movie that made any money. Isn't that, isn't that weird? Yeah, that's kind of weird to think of, right? Not as far as the MC, how the MCU's trajectory has been going. Well, yeah, but the guy I'm saying is the director that's made that movie is no longer going to be there. Right. So what the so fuck are they going to do? It's just going to go further down. Yeah, that's been. the only one. Yeah. And even with their movie uh, Elemental, that has that has not been making any money. Because they're trying to transition to uh, Disney+. Plus. Ugh. They just want to do the whole universe online. See, that's I, I feel don't like know. that's where they're headed. I don't know what's going on with this movie theaters because the one movie I will see pretty soon. I'm hoping it makes money is Asteroid City, just because I'm a Wes Anderson. Uh, I, oh my god, yes, yes, I want to watch. It's that. Oppenheimer for me. Oh, that too. I know that's gonna you know you already but that might flop. I hear a lot of people talking negatively towards it. Um, it sure no, I think it's gonna only flop because it's not a movie that you can go back and watch it over again. Oh, guys, How do you, you know gotta that? keep you gotta keep in mind that it's Christopher Nolan we're talking about. Anything Christopher Nolan was really freaking good. Like even like what was it like? Uh, uh, Kirk? No. Um, Dunkirk. Yeah, Dunkirk. Was that a flop? That was a really good movie. Man. No, but was it a flop in the box office? It didn't do great, but it was good. Yeah, good enough to make. I think I saw ten. Money. I saw Tenet twice. Yeah, I love Tenet. But but are you gonna ask me what my favorite director? We've been talking about your guys' director for like oh thirty God. minutes now. I you thought haven't you said asked it. me. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right. Oh, sorry, sir. Okay, so what is uh, what is your t- your favorite director? I'll give you directors because I I think it's harder for you to pick one. No, I can pick one. Okay, and I think <laughs> I talked about it last time. It's uh, Nicholas Winden Ruffin. Oh, God. What do he do? Drive. Neon Demon. Mm. Ah, those two. Very visual director. Extremely visual director. Is that and the only two he made? Uh, only God Forgives, I believe he only made. Only God Forgives, yes. He's done quite a few movies. Um, only God Forgives. Is that the one where he's in uh, Ryan Gosling's in Thailand? Right. 
and he's like part of a. Okay, you know I have a thing about that. I have a hard time watching some of his films, not because it's not good to see, but or it's not appealing. It's just so I feel dull. No, I feel dirty. Like there's a there's a weird icky like. Not, really, I, I hate to see the icky part, but so he did I feel Bronson. dark. Oh, he did mm. Bronson too. Tom Hardy, Valhalla Rising, uh, which was with uh, mm. what's his name. Oh, God, I forgot his name. And he's such a good guy. He did a um, Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter. The it series? Happens? The series. Oh. With Mads Mikkelsen? Uh, Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> yeah, so this was one of uh, Matt Mikkelsen's first work as well. Huh. Uh, he did also a TV show. Uh, but that one wasn't too much of a hit, but it was a great show. Like, if you watch that show, it makes you feel things. Man. That's what I'm saying. His movies makes you feel stuff, and even if you're not, I, I don't know. Like both all his movies, Neon Neon Demon, uh, Drive not too much. I did. I feel kind of drawn. I, I understand what you mean now. When you said icky, I thought you meant like you might see a scene where they're at the bar or something, and you feel like the bar is dirty. But no, it makes you feel uncomfortable with yeah. just the, yeah. like vis- Like it may not even be something crazy happening. It just may be the visuals and the tone of it. It, d- it definitely oh, yeah. makes you feel uncomfortable. If in you some watch sort of way. this show, Too Old to Die Young, I think it's on Amazon Prime, but. He uh, Miles Teller is the protagonist in that show. My God, man! I've never seen Miles Teller act this way. You haven't seen he Whiplash? Did, no, I Whiplash? have, but you haven't seen Too Old to Die Young. He plays a dirty cop. Oh, and that, bro, oh my God! The opening shot from the first episode. My God, man! What is it called? Too Old to Die Young. Too Old to Die Young. Nicholas Wendon Riffin did an amazing job directing that series. It wasn't a big of a hit, but Definitely made you feel things, man. I, I see. Like I you started, you started with that opening scene, and you make it makes you hate Miles Teller. See again, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, he, I like I it. I feel like he could play good asshole. Who Miles Teller? No, mm-hmm. dude, you, you have to watch it. Yeah, I'm it, it, it goes sure. beyond I like Miles asshole. Teller. No, this goes beyond asshole. Okay. Like Nicholas Wendon Refn brought out a side of Miles Teller that he probably didn't even know he had. So prostate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the other one? Only God Forgives with Ryan Gosling was excellent movie. Yeah, it's it was very slow, very slow. It was not his best work, but it was, it was, it was impressive. See, when I first watched that, I'm like, "What is this?" Second watch, I was like, "This is amazing." Mm-hmm. He, you don't, he doesn't need a full on plot, you know, crazy plot to, to uh, get it done. Drive another. It was. A I great think Drive movie. is a perfect movie too. It was great, and it was beautifully shot. Like all the shots are so smooth, everything makes sense. It was a really that that could honestly be my perfect movie. Yeah, my perfect movie, I would say, is Drive. Because I mean, even if you, the symbolism in that movie is yeah. is pure notch. Another yeah. one of my favorites, and I actually went to Los Angeles to watch this movie was Neon Demon. I actually went to a Q and A that he did. Ugh. Yeah. And uh, I got a chance to meet the girl. I forgot. Elle Fanning? Elle Fanning. I got a chance Damn. to meet oh, her. See, that was the first movie I seen with her when I, I had a crush on her. I got, that was my first introduction. Well, I hope her. so. She's so cute. Yeah, she movie. is. So I got a chance to meet Elle Fanning, and I got a chance to meet Nicholas Wendon Refn in that Q&A. Because it was a post-movie. So he was in the theater, actually. After the movie, Nicholas Wendon when Nicholas Refn just came out and like did the, uh, the Q&A. So how did yeah. he... Like how is he? Yeah, what's in his mind when he's making these visually stunning films? And he said, and I quote, and I remember very well what he said. He said, "I went to France looking for funding for a movie. 
And I it wasn't even full. It wasn't even fully written. But I got a couple million dollars just to get the movie done. And I was like, oh, shit. So it's like so he's, he's not even done with like anything. He already got the funding for it. I was like, wow, that's impressive. And, and he said that he went to um, cons to huh. get the funding. Uh-huh. He had to. Yes. Yeah. What's that? It's uh, it's one of the most, I guess, prestigious awards in in filmmaking. If you think, let's just say that this is the most prestigious at cons. The Palme d'Or is the uh, the award. Mm-hmm. So the Oscars is just mainstream shit. Like, but cons winning a Palme d'Or is like the most prestigious award for artistry. Is it like in the same caliber somewhere around those? Like, what is it, Sundance? No, it's in the same caliber as the Oscars. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, as far as like undergroundish type of. No, it's not underground. It's like the biggest movies go there. But this one, this festival is or award show is for real art. Because in Europe, they actually take filmmaking serious. And the Palme d'Or is French, I believe. Um, Yeah, it's Palme d'Or, which is French. And the French, they really take their movie serious. It's a different caliber of filmmaking, making a movie in France, than it is to do it in the USA. Yeah, you've seen it with their works. So, mm-hmm. good, so, good director, good director. Yeah, so the Palme d'Or is pretty much like the Golden Palm. I think that's what it translates to. Yeah, Palme d'Or, um, Cannes Film Festival Awards. Yeah, it's French. It's is a French uh, that, festival. That sounds French. Yeah, but uh, the all the biggest artists go there. Tom Cruise was there for the. Uh, uh, for the uh, premiere of, God, what was the name? This latest movie? Is uh, Mission Top Impossible? Gun. Oh, Top, Top Gun. Gun. Mm-hmm. Even Mission Impossible was screened there. Like, Palme d'Or, like, is one of the highest, most prestigious art award that you, uh, art award that you can get. And is it, like, primarily um, directors very similar to his style? No, it's everyone. Whoever makes, like, a good art movie. Mm-hmm. Like, because for me, look, there's a movie and there's films. Yes. Movie is just mainstream. Film is art. Yes, that's so what that's what I, my question pertains to. Ooh. Yeah, so these are all okay. films, like movie films that are actually made for the craft. That's crazy because I won't even use the word film when I'm talking about it unless I find it very artful. Mm-hmm. And that's the I difference. Movie. Difference. Movie is for your entertainment. Mm. Film is for the craft and the artistry. So is our Marvels? No. Marvel movies. No. You said it. Marvel movies. <laughs> They're not Marvel films. You answered your own question. <laughs> you answer, yeah, you answer your own question. No, but what I'm trying to say, because you see those, but there are some that people like, okay, I'm not going to say it, but like Wakanda Forever, a Wakanda movie, uh, you know. Yeah, those are just fun. movies. Yeah. Every Marvel movie is just a movie. Except for Guardians 3. Like Joker was very artful. Yes. Joker is a film. Yes. Full Metal Jacket back in the day was a film. And that's by Stanley still Kubrick. F- it's still a film. Hmm? Full Metal is a Full Metal is a film. I would say it's a, it's a film. Yeah, of course it is. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Oh. Full Metal Jacket was a film. It wasn't a movie. It was true art. Hmm. But like most of these entertainment movies, like for example, the Dwayne Johnson and fucking yeah, sure. like uh, what's the the other anything with Dwayne Johnson? <laughs> yeah, it's just they're just movies. But you want to watch a good film? Watch French movies. Or Tarantino. Dude, uh, what w- was it? The mm, I could argue Tarantino. I mean... He does have a lot of artful aspects, but I wouldn't call his... I wouldn't put his on the same as uh, y- your guy. Yeah, as Nicholas Wendt in the reference. Because you could tell. 
he's doing it. I want to make it look this way. I want it to feel this way. Tarantino mixes that in there, but he also has uh, much he- heavy, heavily relied I, on the I story. think it's just mainly because we, we know his style. He has never changed his way of movie making. Mm. Well, yeah. it's just gotten better. But I could, yeah, like you said, like I consider his movies like a little bit of like of a little aspect of his movies to be film like because he does care about the craft of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. He does care even about shooting in film, like actual film mm-hmm. reel. So that to me in itself is an art because it's a dead art right now. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of do people are doing it anymore because it's very it's a very expensive process. Yeah, but he wants to keep the film going. He wants to keep the artistry. Going. Him, uh, Christopher Nolan. Christopher mm. Nolan, yes, that's another one. Um, Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. There's a couple direct major directors that still want to shoot film, and it looks beautiful. Spielberg's not really. I mean, he's he goes back and forth depending on. Well, his Spielberg is a sellout. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of Spielberg. Yeah. Yeah. Shots I said it. <laughs> hey, you know what? His early films, you can't. You can't deny. I think. I think after a while, he just. He just makes he, what, he, what he wants to make. Dude, he's a sellout. And I'll tell you why. In what, right from what movie? He's just a sellout in general, man. Uh, before the pandemic, he was so against like uh, films that were screened on Netflix to be in the Oscars. He was like the voice of yeah. like saying, no, movies streamed in Netflix are not theatrical releases, blah, blah, blah. I will never work with any studios like Netflix and Apple TV, blah, blah, blah. Like he was such an advocate for it. But then the pandemic happened. And then suddenly, and out of nowhere, he's like, oh, he's on Apple TV Plus. All his movies are there. Yes. You he's know, on Apple TV oh, Plus. Oh, go Apple. It's like, dude, you're a fucking sellout. Well, I mean, you know, That's how it goes. he has to. Fuck Steven that. Spielberg, man. He, <laughs> he, like, I used to respect him. But when I saw that, like, how against he was about Netflix, but after the pandemic, and then he saw that every single movie was being released online, he was like, oh, Team Apple Apple TV Plus, guys. <laughs> it's like, well, fuck you, man. You're such a fucking sellout. Even Sorsese, well, Sorsese didn't want, he said that any, well, I kind of agree. Marvel movies aren't filmed. They're just. You know, entertaining. I do have a question. Do you, either of you consider Robert Eggers or Ari Aster uh, artful filmmakers? Yeah. I don't know who that is. Both of them? Yeah. Uh, Ari Aster made Bo's Afraid, Midsommar, uh, or Midsummer, um, Hereditary. Oh, yes. I would consider those films. Okay. Yeah, those are films. Yeah. Okay. Definitely agree. would I consider agree. those. Yeah. We're just curious on your thoughts. And here's the thing. Uh, what's the, the the studio? A twenty four. A twenty four. They make really good films. Yeah, they I make love films. that studio. Yeah, production. Those company. are real films. Yeah, they're the ones who are daring, you know, with a lot of different concepts. Wild. They're, concepts. they're the new Lion Gate. I don't know, man. This, this is the, they, they come out with some wild beast. shit. Yeah. No, but no, but like growing up, Lion Gate and what's the other one that? Um, um, Miramax. Miramax. They were, yeah, they, but even though those were mostly like when I see that, I I, I feel like I'm gonna get an, an action film. Yeah, same. No, but I'm saying I'm talking about early '90s and mid '90s. Like yeah, I, I don't think I could compare A24 with any any other studio because these guys are like they're heading out. Yeah. yeah, these guys are coming out with movies that are mind fucks. Excuse yeah, exactly. my French. Yeah. Uh, but they're making movies that that make you think. Instead yeah. of make you just feel. Yeah, yeah, instead of just entertainment, they they make movies that make you actually. Feel things. Look at, look at Lamb. What? You ever see Lamb? Yeah, I saw um, Lamb. That was a weird fucking film. Ugh, I loved it though. I mean, where else would you have seen something like that? And, uh, and that's exactly what I look if for. This company in wasn't around, yeah. 
I look for production. I look for that in movies. Like, like you were saying earlier, I want to watch something that makes me feel. Because yeah, it's great to be entertained. Great to you know just go out there and unwind. But me being a filmmaker, me having the knowledge of you know what to expect from a movie, it's nice for me to get surprised because I'm not. I don't get surprised in movies anymore. It sucks. Me being a director, me being a, a, a filmmaker, I don't get impressed anymore with regular average movies that, you know, regular people watch, you know, they're the general population. Is it because you had like a tendency to see, you know, to understand how they made something? Yes, of course. I look at every single flaw. And if I'm able to notice the flaws in a movie, you lost me. Mm. Like if I see a mistake and it's like, oh, fuck, look at that camera angle or fuck, like the lighting doesn't make sense or the directing was fucking terrible. It's like... It's I need a good movie that still makes me feel good, that, that makes me want to watch it instead of, like, tear it apart. Uh, yeah, I, I understand that. As a filmmaker, it sucks because I love movies, right. and I used to enjoy them. You know, and, and I think the Transformers is, like, the last movie that I can honestly say I sit there just for entertainment. Man, you're going to turn into, uh, what is the name, Chef Slovik from the menu. Oh God! <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. You know, I am that chef. Here, <laughs> I am that chef right now for movies. Well, Man, I'm the I movie get chef. It. No, it's, yeah, <laughs> it, ha it happens. It's a thing. I'm the movie it, chef. Yeah. <laughs> That's how I am with Michael Bay. Well, let's go into two movies that we consider perfect. Let's start off with seven, uh, seven. Now, this was made back in 1995. So, like, you know, to, I would say the prime years of my youth in watching movies and. This movie blew. Ooh. This this movie blew me away. <laughs> Dude, I have vivid memories of uh, you know as a ki kid watching it. I never knew what was going on, but I always remembered the scene with the the naked fat guy. That that's the one. Did you see? That's just the only like when I think okay, about gluttony. that nostalgic. What's that? The gluttony. Yeah. The gluttony. Yeah. You know, seeing him just. Dude, every <laughs> single like that. Every single sin, fucking like, shocked me. It was so graphic. Um, yeah. Sloth. Sloth. I was like, that's fucked up what he did because the guy's basically lying in bed with like little tubes and just to kept alive but to rot slowly dying in the bed it was very graphic fucking yeah, lust saw and got shit. Well, I don't know lust they made, he made a guy have sex with a girl with a, with with a strap on yeah, with, with and spikes and shit on there yeah that's pretty twisted shit I mean these ah. and I love that they picked the two I mean again casting of this is perfect this has yeah. been this is gritty. It's probably like gritty. one of uh, Brad Pitt's greatest performances Better too. Roles, yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. He's yeah. had some good ones, but this one, I can honestly say, it's his masterpiece. I would say Fight Club is. Ooh, yes, that's we'll talk after. Uh, you know what? Anything made by David Fincher is just guaranteed like perfection. Did he make Zodiac? Yes. Yeah, he did. Yeah, now that, I, I didn't think it was that great, but. It's, it's a fine. Yeah, it's fine. Was, yeah. But again, you're de you're dealing with some uh, with a mystery that hasn't been solved, and you're just going based on facts. Yeah. Mm. And so. the thing about um, Seven Fight Club, you know, a lot of movies from David Fincher, they're used in film school as well for you to tear apart. I remember in film school, uh, I had to cut a seven scene. Which one? A scene from the movie Seven. No, I mean which which scene? Uh, where Morgan Freeman comes in and starts looking at all the details. Because okay. it's very specific because you have wide shots, you have medium mm -hmm. shots, you have close-ups, then you have extreme close-ups. It's very detailed for you to learn about filmmaking. 
not only that, but it's just like stuff like that makes me appreciate like, man, this person understands exact the exact process and has done their research to understand to try to depict that through filmmaking. Of well, course. Mm. And that's what every movie should be made. Of course. Yeah. Every movie because there's a, there's a lot of things that people do in filmmaking, especially young filmmakers. They just want to insert close ups for everything just to fill in the scene. But some of the young filmmakers don't understand that. Everything in the movie has got to have a purpose. Mm -hmm. If you're going to grab something, that's when you get the close-up of what he's grabbing. And there's an importance to that Exactly. Shot, of course, yeah. Absolutely. And if you just insert, like, random-ass, like, close-ups, then what's the point of it? Like, is it a clue? Is it something that, that will make sense for the story? But no, they're, like, young filmmakers, they just, like, do inserts just because they didn't have the shot. <laughs> now, the one thing I would say that's interesting is that you never seen the brutality of the the torture scenes of the victims. You know, mm -hmm. you see the aftermath, yeah, but you don't see, like, every you small You don't think piece. of it. You I know, think he leaves that up to your imagination. Well, yeah, because you don't realize. I mean, even the, the most, you know, the, the scene that's famous, what's in the box? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like. Yeah, that's. Yeah, you look in that, you're like, what's in the, and we're like, what's in, and Brad Pitt's like, what's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> and then it's Morgan like Freeman just like. Party wants to know, but then you don't want to see it. Well, no, because in, okay, let me ask you this. Would you lose effect into what you imagine in your head if you saw it? Yeah. I think it's more psychologically tormenting. Not being, knowing. Not, not knowing. knowing. I mean, we know, but just Here's to not see it. Yeah. You can still tell a good story without actually showing it. And that's what a lot of people don't understand or they don't want to do it because they just want to be more graphic. They want to show the, uh, I guess, like the morbid curiosity of what it would look like. Well, well, that's the beauty. Uh, you know, they use the beauty of acting right here because you can use something like Brad Pitt's pain and anguish and confusion right. you know, to understand what's going on. Because you feel it more through what he sees right. and what he and how and, he and with the box. You don't know if it's the head of his wife or is a dead baby. Oh God! Yeah, I didn't and even think about that. Because the, even more because the wife was pregnant, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I think he wanted to get rage. Remember, he it tried was, to uh, get like, "Give me my rage." Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Damn. you don't know if the guy killed his wife, his head, or it was actually a baby that would make him like enraged. Well, was the last the la was the last two wrath and envy? Just wrath. Okay. No, but um, Be my John wrath. Do John Doe was envy for John uh for Brad Pitt's life that's why he killed her okay so let's backtrack a little bit for those who don't know the movie seven is about the seven deadly sins if you haven't caught on right now but it's about this guy who is committing all these crimes to be able to make a name for himself as a master criminal slash assassin right Right. right. That's pretty much the nutshell of it. So all these things that we've been telling you are just part of the movies, by the way. Spoil alert, Daniel. Hey, it's 1995. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> <laughs> it's your fault. Yeah, fuck <laughs> But, you know, there's a lot of gener uh, younger generations that haven't seen it. Believe it or not, dude, we're I in a it. different yeah. generation now. We're in uh, Gen Z now, okay? Yeah. So there's a lot of kids who may be getting started in the film industry that haven't been... Okay, so if you're going to say that, there are going to be a lot of trigger warnings. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and right. yes, and it, it's not an easygoing movie. It, it's, it's very gruesome. It may not show a lot of things, but the, sh the things that they show, they're visually impressive. Well, the one other thing is also, the, when I was rewatching again, it's the little things that, like, Gl um, Glenneth Paltrow, how her uneasy she is about having the baby and... and 
growing and raising it in the city area. She she talks about this the whole time throughout the movie, and I didn't rece- I didn't remember that until I watched it again. It's like oh yeah, that's like foreshadowing. Like there's like a presence of evil that's like around her that she can't sense that she wants to, that she just doesn't want to be here because she thinks that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she said I'm uh, I'm gonna be raising a baby in the city. And that's the clue as to what's in the box. Because they leave it to the imagination. But yes, you would be pissed about seeing your wife and you would be extremely sad. But I think if someone killed your unborn son, there would be rage. I didn't even think about that being a possibility. I was set on, oh, it's her head. But now that you mentioned that, that's uh, far more terrifying. Well, and plus, uh, yeah. my thing is, because it's, it's it's it would yeah, be an embryo. Oh, yeah. If you yeah. think about it, every single, every single death in that movie... It's extremely, like you were mentioning earlier, it's extremely graphic. Like, they may not show it, but the gruesome or the act itself of it happening is extremely gruesome. So now, killing the wife and beheading her wouldn't just make that much sense compared to, like, all the deaths that happened. It had to be absolutely gruesome. Extreme. So for him to open that box, I think it was the fetus of his baby. Oh yeah, because the last line that uh, and by the way, we had John Doe ends up being played by Kevin Spacey, which at the time people kind of knew his name. Oh, Kevin he, Spacey was great in that back in the day. Oh yeah, but when you see him, you're like, oh my god, he is a psychopathic killer. Yeah. He is. He has such a fluidity in his acting. It just seems like that's him. You know, sometimes you, you get certain people saying certain things in films, and you just don't imagine them saying it. But with yeah. everything, especially in that movie, it seems like, man, he could really be this person in real life, and I wouldn't even know. The other thing that I thought that's kind of interesting is that they didn't catch him. He John Doe did. gave himself up. Yep. It was all so part of in this, in this, well, they almost caught him, though. Almost. Well, they almost, but in the movie, they right, almost they caught him, him with the library card. I remember yeah. that they went to his apartment and mm-hmm. then they started shooting at the detectives. They almost caught him, but he was too smart that he had had to like advance his plan. He even said it. It was like, you guys made me have to like go faster, go mm-hmm. faster in my plan. But I, say, I think, well, the reason I'm going with that is because most of those old early 1990s films, the good guy always wins. They always find the, the catcher before. Yeah. But this is the first time I saw it. And I was like, that's how it ends. Like, I felt so like it's just so, so shocking. Yeah, yeah. That this is like this is not a happy ending. It's Breaking just, it's the mold. And it doesn't happen too often. Uh, and David Fincher did an amazing job back in the day. That was one of them. And then Fight Club was another one. Oh yeah, my God. But you know, Fight Club was actually written by Stephen Palanucci, something like that. Okay. Uh, Steve Palanucci. Palanucci. I think he's it, that uh, Fight Club came from a book, actually. Really? It's oh. a story. It's a story that was written by by that guy. Fuck, I forgot his name. Uh, but he actually was the the writer for for Fight Club. It wasn't David Fincher. Did he also? He did he also sc- screenwrite the uh, the 1999 version? What do you mean, like from the movie? Yeah. Did he did he screenwrite the movie? Um, I I don't know. Let me look it up. Uh, Chop. Uh, Chuck Palanki. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna destroy this name. Palanicki. I don't know. <laughs> Palanuchik yeah. or something like. Oh that. yeah, that's okay. That's his name. That's his name. That, that's close enough. Chuck. You said it's Chuck Palanuchik. Yeah. Now let's talk about this one for a minute. Yeah, he's an American about? novelist. He. This movie, again, it's one of those where 
I remember growing up and everybody talks about, yeah, Fight Club, Fight Club, Fight Club. And I'm like, what the fuck is Fight Club? Dude, right? I felt the same exact way. There was like a whole group that were all about it. And, yeah. and they even tried to start a little Fight Club. I'm like, you guys are ridiculous. Right. But they didn't get what Fight Club is always about. Right. It's, the, the, the crazy thing about this is Fight Club itself was just a name, a, a way for them to like just have a club area. But it's about anarchists and about capitalism, capitalism and how, you know, how he views it, how, all, like, like, I think Tyler Durden says, like, we buy all this stuff that we don't need, and it's like, still to this day. All right, so many, before everything, before we get started with Fight Club, it's like, what's the number one rule of Fight Club? You don't talk about it. There is no Fight Club. There is no. <laughs> mm. No, but I mean, I go back to this. Like, look how many things we buy that we just don't. Like, how many iPhones are we, do we need? Or just the fact that year? we are participating in this whole charade of organi- you know, organization, uh, the fucking mess. Yeah. You know, you know, everyone's controlling everything. I just, I mean, do you ever think about that? Like, no, I do. When we watch it again, I'm thinking like, oh, how much harder do we have? Like, they're they're showing how we're all living in this matrix matrix world. About material shit, material media, shit. Uh, mass influence, all everything. And the second time I was watching, I'm like, man, is there really isn't the is the villain just Edward Norton? In some ways, because yeah, I mean, look, let's just say that ending is they they blow up all the uh, credit card buildings, right? No one's there, no one died in there, everyone's cleared out. All right, so before we get started with that, <laughs> oh, so we have to, you know, we have to tell the the audience what it is, so. Fight Club is uh, is a movie made by David Fincher where it's uh, about the really ordinary life of this what is it insurance worker? Yeah, is that what he is? Mm-hmm. And then, but it turns out that he's just schizophrenic. Really, he's just hallucinating a whole bunch of things that makes it blows up a lot of shit in his like schizophrenic s- state. But you don't know that until the movie's over. You really don't know that. So his other personality is just an anarchist. Yeah, he's just multiple. He has Sociopath. a multiple personalities. Well, yeah. Edward Norton, he is uh, noted. He is called the narrator of the of the film. He's not, he doesn't have a name, mm-hmm. but Brad Pitt is called Tyler Durgan. Durgan. So maybe his his alter ego. I don't know. Did he ever say his name? His, uh, Edward Norton's name? Not really, right? I'm not sure, but the entire movie is a trip. The entire movie is really just in Edward Norton's head. Oh, have you seen the the version of Without Brad Pitt? No. Oh, it's fucking insane. Like someone actually used an, an AI to cut Brad Pitt off out of the movie. So all you see is Edward Norton, Norton talking to himself. Hmm. It does show glimpses of that towards the end when we find out, yeah. Well, that's what it is. Is like Brad Pitt did not exist. He's never there. He was never there. So it's th- all in his head. It yeah. was just him. So there's a scene in which like He's in the car talking with his two and his two, uh, you know, henchmen in the back, and he's going back and forth yelling. And the people, and you gotta mm-hmm. say, like, these people are just like, what the fuck is this wrong with this guy? Yeah. So why are they following him? They just think he's a badass, crazy guy. Well, I mean, as a, you know, he ended up being a cult leader. Yeah, mm-hmm. he brainwashed his brains. Yeah, I mean, so what? He he was able to speak to his alter ego in a, you know, audible form, and then sometimes he would turn into him. Yeah. Yeah. Space gaps. Like time gaps in his in his brain. Now, Helen Bowman Carter, she is amazing in the movie. I mean, even I think it's one of his her best roles. She just played herself. For those who don't know who she is, she's the one that kills uh, Sirius Black in Harry Potter. 
Serious Black. Serious like Black. Most Tim Burton films, yeah. And all Tim Burton, yeah. I mean, I I liked her in in um Sweeney Todd too. Mm-hmm. I thought she's really great. Yeah, but the performance that she did in Fight Club, oh my god, man. Well, she was she was a psychotic. Well, not she wasn't psychotic. She just liked being around misery. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It ever since that movie, it's like as if she's playing the same character over and over again. Yeah. Like I would love. I saw she played. You know, it'd well. be kind of cool if she played as someone with. With a good personality, kind <laughs> heart, you know, giving out things like, oh, how are you doing, sir? Yeah, like not so grim all yeah, the time. There's a couple movies out there of her like that. I've God. never, I haven't never I've seen that. Yeah, there's seen one. That. I can't remember what movie it is, but there's one where she actually plays a nice mom. Mm-mm. Yeah. How does she do? Is she a good mother? Yeah. <laughs> she was actually a really good mother she in that movie. She's like, hey, here's some spider webs. Go and play in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, she actually plays uh, the mom. I don't know who. Now, there's two other uh, people that's actually interesting that was in here. was uh, Jared Leto. That was one of his early yeah. films. Yuck. I went back and I'm like. Oh, <laughs> you said yuck. I can't stand Jared Leto. <laughs> I know, but I was like, dude, like, is that really him? Um, Meatloaf was in here. He played as a guy with the big breasts. With mm-hmm. the t- 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 this movie, Fight Club and Seven, were like the stepping stone for careers for a lot of actors. A lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, of, uh, of course, not for Brad Pitt and Edward Norton. They were amazing. I, I don't even know how he got those two. I think the script was so good that people fought for the role, and he must have just he, he chose them. He's very particular on yeah what he chooses. I heard he's very hard to work with. Oh yeah, for sure. He actually he's known for making like approximately a hundred takes from from each shot. You know what's uncomfortable about him? It's like when I was watching Birdman. The scene where he is going over the top for the first time that they are all acting together and he's breaking stuff and Wait, he's Birdman, Birdman with a uh, Keaton, Michael Keaton. He did not. He was in. Oh, you're talking about Edward Nor- Norton. Yes. Oh, okay. I think we were talking about the director. No, Edward Norton. Oh. I just feel like when I was watching that scene, I'm like, man, I feel like that's how he really is on set. He is. Damn, that's. Intense. Yeah, they say that he's a diva. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh. for sure. Edward Norton. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he changed. Fired. He changed the script for Amer- a lot of the script for American History X because he didn't approve of what the you know. Script. Yeah, he's a diva. I would say he would have to. Be. But I mean, when you act like that, I mean, it's kind of worth it, right? Um. Well, it got it. It got him out of the MCU. Yes. So I mean, some people will take it. Some people don't. Depends on how well they're will. And everything in life, it all depends on how much you're willing to take from a person to yeah. get what you want. And if it's not, I mean. Think about it. There's a lot of tons of actors now. Oh, my God. And there's a lot of people who are great. I mean, who would think Walking Phoenix Phoenix is would, would be disgraced? Yeah. And true, yeah. Oh, I'm excited I, about I, Joker, too. You know, though. honestly, I think he is. I think he'd be a, a nice person to be a, have on on, on set. <laughs> who? Never, ever, ever Norton? No, no. Joaquin. Oh, yeah. I think he'd be one of those guys who would just like kind of like. He seems intense. He kind of like wants to understand and whatever. And he kind of asks questions. But he would never like. Go against what the director, because he even says he goes, "This is not my vision. This is what their vision." And I don't know, man, because he goes off. He goes off by what the character would do. Well, he does do a lot of method acting, and that's one thing they said about difference between with method actors and like everyone else. And that's exactly what I'm saying. Most of these, most professional actors, they don't go off by the script. They go off by what the character would. 
And most of these actors, they do full breakdowns of personalities and how they got to be. They're the ones actually doing the work for the character, not the writers, mm -hmm. because the writers just write the story, but they don't break down the character the way an actor does. Yeah, they lose themselves in these exactly. characters. Exactly, which is why Heath Ledger lost himself. I mean, we don't exactly know what happened, but a lot of these actors lose themselves in the role because they know exactly how to become psychotic and an assassin and a killer. So they dwell themselves in that character, in that uh, in that life. Mm -hmm. So uh, did Brad Pitt and Ed Edward Norton go into fights and all the time and get immersed in that gritty world? Well, I don't know, because I don't think Brad Pitt does method acting, to be honest. No, he's not, not okay, a method he's actor. He's not on the same caliber as Edward Norton, that's for sure. I think Brad Pitt just comes on and plays himself, mm -hmm. and everyone just likes to see him on film. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's a he's a pretty looking dude. I mean, a lot of he was like eye candy for older ladies back in the day. Dude, I'm looking at this yeah. picture from he's on my Club when he's like, he's had no shirt on. I'm like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> <Am> <laughs> I, I was a great. <laughs> it made you question your gender. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I mean, he has it's like he has blood, a cigarette in his hand, and everything. And he's like, yeah, fuck. I'm like, yeah. Some dude just got that. Yeah. You know, he don't have to do a single fucking thing. Just show up to work. <laughs> Yeah, and just probably like, hey, man, read my lines for me. I'll just, I'll just repeat it after. Yeah, I'll just be no, there. but no. Being honest, he is a fantastic. He's another guy where you ever see his interviews. He, he is such a film student, and that's one thing I love about some mm -hmm. actors, that they will talk about like the film they saw when they're young, and they took that into their heart, and then they kind of try to like think of how that that actor was at that time and the characters and everything, and. I mean, see, although although he's he's himself, I don't think he's one of those actors uh, that I can get annoyed at in doing so, like Jason Statham or yeah, Ryan no, Gosling. He knows how to pick his roles, right? You know, there's sure. a little, there's a little bit of acting. I mean, think about even Bullet Train. I didn't like his. I couldn't stand his role in that. But I mean, other roles. It was, he throws it was some totally flavor. different from what he's used to, though. You guys right. haven't seen Snatch, then? Oh, oh I've yeah, seen, seen Snatch. Because he has he's a he's an actor that has great range that's mm. the thing and that's why we don't get tired of him because he knows that he can get the job done but if you see him because all the directors just want him as a pretty boy that's really mm -hmm. it the directors just want him because he's eye candy for the girls he's gonna have a, he has a following but he said in an interview i hate those roles yeah because he has the range he has the potential to be an excellent actor but they don't give him the chance the only one was Guy Ritchie, which was on Snatch. If you see his performance as a gypsy, holy shit, man. Like, you wouldn't even recognize him. Yeah, you'd be like, hey, I get a car. You like bags? Or Ad Astra is another one. He plays a very somber, depressed person, but um, I never. Uh, but I don't know if he would, he, like, his best role will be that. No, not for Personally, not I think all. his best role was Snatch. I per I if you can tell me a different, if you can give role. me another role that he actually like changed, uh, that that plays himself, other movie that other than he playing himself. We talk, we talk, uh, right Brad, off the bat, Brad? I couldn't be able to. Yes, Brad. Um, right off the bat, I wouldn't be able. To, yeah. exactly. He was he was pretty good in Killing Me Softly, and he has a small role as a hitman. Mm. Yeah, but still, um, he plays he, like the hero. He wasn't he wasn't the hero. Well, not the hero, but you know that hero type that everyone wants from um, Brad Pitt. What Troy? Oh, oh, um, assassination of Jesse. Yeah. This assassination of uh, Jesse Jones. Jesse, Jesse James. James. Yeah. Oh, see, that's another good one. 
we had to think about it for a second, but mm-hmm. he has really good fucking roles. Like he, the yeah, dude interview has with range. the vampire. Yeah, interview with the vampire. And there's one. Yes. Oh, yes, that's another one too. I hate this movie. Oh, even they hate it. Even Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, they hate that movie. No, no, I don't. I don't. Great I, movie. I, I don't hate that movie. I hate this movie, Legend of the Falls. Right. I, I hate. Like he is. He makes the. He's the one character who makes the worst decision, all the time. Like every single movie, like hey, the guy, like he, they're going to a bar and apparently this bar, there's they can't serve Indians, and he's like, this guy right here, he is an Apache, uh, commander, and he will have a oh. drink here. Inglorious he bastards. Escalate everything, and I'm like, dude, just calm down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Brad Pitt has range, and it's just sad that they don't give him the opportunity to, to be. Did he himself. win an Oscar yet? Uh, he did for I believe um, once upon a time in Hollywood. Did he? Yeah, for but it was supporting actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of sad actually because he's a he's a great actor with a lot of range. But I thought he was very underutilized in that movie as well. I mean, I well, enjoyed him, but he, he could have won for Tree of Life. But I don't, I I think there was another someone else who was a better who was just made to win that year. I wonder if it's Joaquin or someone else. Uh, yeah. Maybe one day, one maybe one day, Brad Pitt will get his uh, ring, get his statue. I mean, he is a great director and someone that will be in the echelons of you know great performance. Just someone just needs to give him a chance, like a good director that could tell him it's like you know what, bring the bring the character. Ooh, to life. You know maybe he should pick it like some of these guys pick their specific roles. You know, well, like the well, I don't think I mean that's a one film that anyone could do. The but director had said he had Brendan Fraser in mind specifically and didn't want to do it without him. It's because it's his eyes. His eyes. <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, before we sign off, uh, Fernando, we are, you have a podcast. Let's, let's try to – why don't you give your, uh, your My Spotcast – saying for all these people who who maybe list you know wants to open up a podcast or you know wants to have a little voice in the world so this is uh you know the place where we're shooting well we're filming and the place we're recording audio uh it's a studio for podcasting it's uh called my spotcast so if you guys want to follow us on instagram and on youtube uh we have uh most of our videos there uh, audio, you can find us as the production company of Movie Talks. So if you go on Spotify, you're going to be able to see us as producers of uh, Movie Talks. So if you want to follow us on Instagram, give us a like. And, you know, maybe we'll, you know, if you have all wanted to subscribe to our, to spot my podcast, you know, or even Movie Talks, maybe we can set something up, you know, just to help us out for you or whatever, whatever you want to do. Uh, as always, uh, we want to say thank you for coming and listening to us. Uh, we do have all of our links in our, you know, I think we're on my spot us uh, on Spotify, Spotify Apple Podcast, and iHeartRadio, and also on YouTube. So we'll have all of our links there. So till we see you guys next time, good night. This is Daniel. This is Ernest. This is Fernando. And see you guys next week. Good night. Good night. <laughs>